Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Alexander Audio. And today my guest is Michael Frederick, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. He's been a teacher for about 30, just over 30 years. Um, pretty much the same length of time that I've been a teacher. I think he qualified a year or two ahead. Yeah, yeah he, Easter, Easter's uh, 78. 78. Well, I qualified in 81, so he got three years on me. <laughs> uh, Michael uh, trained with Walter Carrington and also with Marjorie Barstow. Uh, I trained with uh, in the Walter Carrington tradition with Paul and Betty Collins and uh, Vivian Mackey and other some other uh, teachers in that same uh, in that same school, so to speak. I also trained extensively with Marjorie Barstow, uh, and I I know that uh, Michael has explored a lot of the different strands. Uh, when he was in England, he, he studied with Patrick McDonald and uh, Marjorie Barlow. I also studied with, with Patrick, uh, took quite a few lessons with him, and um, did a, almost a kind of an informal training course with one of his uh, students when I was on regular training course. And I think, so I think we've both kind of explored quite a few strands of the Alexander Technique. And we're going to talk today about the current state of Alexander Technique teaching and um, what is uh, likely to happen in the future. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I look forward to being here with you. Well, let's start. I, I'd like to ask you a, qu a question. Do you think that the general level of Alexander teaching today is better than it was in Alexander's time? Well, I remember asking Walter Carrington that very question uh -huh. when I was on the training course in London, and he said, absolutely, yes. Uh -huh. And I would say the same thing today. Yeah, that, that would be it, my, my general take as well. Although I have heard from a few people who I, I suppose have encountered teachers who got possibly a, a sort of watered-down training or who knows. Uh, I've, a few people I've said who, who talked to have said, gee, you know, things are kind of falling apart. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen that myself. So, so we're both kind of in, on the optimistic and yes, I, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I mean, I, I have to be that way because I so love the Alexander Technique and, mm -hmm. and the input that Walter and Dillis Carrington and Marge Barstow and Marjorie Barlow and Patrick and Elizabeth Walker, all these people put into me. Uh, you know, there's no free lunch. If you're the teachers that support us from those years past, one has to honor that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm positive about the future of the technique. Right. It would be kind of uh, shocking in a way, I suppose, if uh, the quality of teaching were lower than it was in Alexander's time because we've had 55-ish years to... Mm -hmm. We're talking, by the way, in 2011. Uh, we've had a lot of years go by with a lot of uh, people giving a lot of thought to Alexander's ideas and developing them. So it'd be it'd be kind of it'd be very sad if things were moving in a negative direction with that. Yeah. So 
Yeah. You know, what happens, I think, is that there are a lot more training courses today. Mm -hmm. And therefore, some of the training courses are on the money, as it were, if I want to use that phrase. And other training courses maybe don't match up mm -hmm. completely. Um, I'm always very delicate in this type of conversation because I have friends all over the world in all various training types of training situations. And there are good people out there. I, I'm, I'm always astounded in a very heartfelt way about the high quality of, of students and, and trainees and teachers who go through the process to become a teacher. The difficulty is some situations, if I, without getting too derogatory, are, are maybe half-baked. Uh, By you that, know, you mean level of training of yeah, the Yeah, the level of training. It's not that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, Alexander used to say three to four years. People tend not to hear the four years, right. you see. Right. Well, on his first... Uh, his first training course, um, the only one who left after three years was Marjorie Barstow. Right, uh, right. So, and even she spent quite a bit of time working with his brother. AR, AR correct. And yeah. So, yeah, three, I, I, I would think that three years for most people is just the very, very beginning of becoming an Alexander teacher. That's how I look at it. Um, so, but there are know. some teachers, I suppose, who figure, well, three years and now I'm good to go and don't really need to learn anything more. I, I, <laughs> I, I could see that. Yeah, but that's uh, dangerous thinking. It's I very mean, you dangerous know, thinking in my opinion. I mean, the opinion. thing is, is that when I qualified, I felt secure in myself that I had the fundamentals uh, so that I could teach. That I felt good about, but mm -hmm. I knew I was a ranked beginner. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I had to put decades on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that video of Patrick that says something like the first 60 years are the hardest. Oh, right. It's a little well, YouTube video of Patrick yeah, McDonald something. teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, you know, I'm on what, 33 years now or thereabouts. And, you know, I'm starting to get a real hang of things, but I'm mm -hmm. careful of that. I'm always challenging my own assumptions mm -hmm. uh, about myself. Mm-hmm. What what do you see as uh, from you're looking around the Alexander world? What, what are some some dangers? Well, where we're going on now is that the old guard is is basically no longer living. Elizabeth Walker is still alive, but she's in her mid nineties and doesn't travel that much anymore. Mm -hmm. She is the only person still alive who trained completely with FM Alexander. Mm -hmm. There are a few people out there who uh, maybe started with FM and finished with Walter or Patrick or someone else. I'm thinking of Rome Roberts Earl, who's a wonderful teacher who was in that category. But as far as uh, people who train specifically with FM, there's really only Elizabeth left. Mm -hmm. And this is a bit of a crisis or maybe a, a not using that word, a major transition for our overall international community. Back in the 70s, when you and I were in London, and uh, we could have lessons with a lot of oh, Alexander students. Right? Yeah, with a lot of people. Just that they were a phone call away. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever branch of tree you trained with, 
you know, you could always go back and check in with Patrick McDonald or the Barlows or the Carringtons or Marge Barstow, and you could, um, because you trusted them, mm-hmm. they were your primary teacher, mm-hmm. you know, they could, they could fine-tune you. They could give you that nice little gentle slap on the side of the head to say, wake up a bit. Mm-hmm. And we would accept that. And therefore, we could always upgrade our training and our teaching and our thinking. We could mm-hmm. dialogue with them, ask them questions. I mean, I remember calling Walter up any time and asking him this or that, and Marge too, Marge Barstow. Mm-hmm. But those days are gone. So mm-hmm. we can't go back that close to the source. Mm-hmm. What we have to do now is see that we have to work from inside out. That as a, gen- a whole community, uh, we have to um, be able to work together and learn from each other. That's why I like the Congress that will be happening in Lugano uh, this summer, 2011, in August. Uh, learning from each other is the theme, and I think that's a good theme. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a theme that we should take in general now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the old guard is no longer with us. Right. And let me put a, in a little pitch here for the Internet as a way of people learning from each other. Um, that's a tool that simply didn't exist in a, in a practical form until uh, 15 years or so mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. And there are possibilities now on the web to, ex- to have conversations between teachers, to share videos, to share audio. Uh, I mean, there, there, the opportunities for learning from each other across and around the world are, are, are there. And um, I do see uh, some teachers taking tremendous advantage of that. But I also see some teachers, uh, many teachers, unfortunately, who still view the web with some suspicion. (laughs) And uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. And I think that's a great shame, if only because... I mean, not just because it keeps them from getting as many students as they want, which is important enough, but it also keeps them from connecting in really useful ways with other teachers. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm making a joke in my next statement, but there's a lot of Luddites in the Alexander world. Right. You know, people who don't want to take right. care of, of the latest technology. That does need to change. And it's, mean, and it's, it's uh, to me, it's somewhat paradoxical because the Alexander technique, uh, among other things, is supposed to be good at helping you adapt to changing circumstances. And in the world of communication and propagation of ideas, stuff is changing, has changed really fast, and it's, it's changing even faster as we speak. And you'd think that Alexander teachers would, you know, be right there at the cutting edge with their, you know, psychophysical good use, but doesn't seem to work that way in many cases. No, you're correct. Uh, and I don't I mean, understand I don't know, that. I really well, genuinely I mean, it could don't. be that we we have a lot of eccentrics. We, Not we that, do. I mean, maybe yeah. you you and I also fit into that category. But in in the Alexander world, there's a lot of individual thinkers. Yes. You know, people who. Um, uh, don't want to rely on the latest trend or this or that. That's okay. But right at the moment, we're, we're actually in a revolution of information. Mm-hmm. 
in the whole world. We're, we're in a time that's very similar to the time of the turn of the last century, you know, 1900 mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. 1914. It's a very unusual time we're in. And you, you, one has to embrace the new technology, moving away from the buggy whip and the buggy to the automobile mm-hmm. and the airplane. And, that's, mm-hmm. and, and, and today it's moving into the Internet and the cloud and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, smartphones, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. And, and I just feel it's essential, especially if we want to uh, spread the word about the value of the Alexander Technique. I mean, the one complaint I hear from Alexander teachers, no matter where I'm at, in America and Europe, uh, is that they're not earning enough uh, living. They don't have enough students. Mm-hmm. Well, my God, if you want to get students, you have to, they have to know that you exist. And the way mm-hmm. to get people to know that you exist now is with the Internet. Absolutely. It's to me, I, I would say, I don't actually think it's an exaggeration. Maybe a couple of years ago this was an exaggeration, but today it isn't that uh, start, starting life as an Alexander teacher uh, and not having uh, at least some connection with the internet, basic website, email, of course, mm-hmm. uh, is equivalent to not having a telephone number. And <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, yeah. uh, it, you'd be appalled if you heard one of the graduates of your of the training course there said, "Well, you know, I don't think I need to have a phone. People are just going to find me." And no. the thing is, what I notice, even. Um, what I do see, we're kind of veering a little off topic here, but so what? Um, we'll veer back. So <laughs> what, let's go for it. Uh, what I see in, in, you know, I've become by default kind of an expert on Alexander Technique websites. And you would be astonished to see how many websites out there of those teachers who do have them where it is virtually and sometimes totally impossible to determine where this person is located. And to me, that set, that's not just a web design issue, of course it is, but it speaks a little bit to a kind of a mentality that I still see out there, which is, wow, this Alexander Technique stuff is really good. Everyone should be drawn to it, and I shouldn't have to... People should just seek me out, maybe call through old lists of teachers or whatever. Right, Come, right. I mean, that's a very... Write me a letter. El- find me somehow. Right. You know? See, it's actually a very elitist way of A very thinking. elitist way of looking you know, at it. Yeah, yeah. The truth is, in the old days in England, if you remember with the Society of Teachers of the Alexander Technique stat, they didn't want you to advertise. That's right. And there's some proper thinking behind that because what's interesting is you can't sell the technique. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to sell Zen. Mm-hmm. You can't really sell it. No, but they did but, publish a list of teachers. It was one page long, and and someone who was interested could call up or that's write, true. and they would get a list of teachers. Um, I remember the, one of the first lists I saw in the mid seventies. It was re- literally everyone was on one. Oh no, I, I have that sheet. Yeah. So so th- that's how you would find a teacher if you were lucky. There was a teacher in your area when I started. There was. One teacher in Canada, and fortunately living in the same place I did. So, probably Kelly McKevin. No, no, this is pre Kelly. This is 
Way back, way back. Way back. Yeah. Well, the so, thing about it is that you can't sell the technique, but you can inform people that it exists. Exactly. That's the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge segment of, of the population in Europe and America and in the world in general, Australia and Japan and so on, who are disposed, who are open to these ideas. Mm-hmm. That the Alexander technique, the, the principles that make up the Alexander work. Mm-hmm. If they don't know about it, even though they might want to have a lesson if they did know about it, you have to in some way get the information out there that this exists. And that you exist as a practitioner. Correct. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why yeah. the, the technique's good. I mean, that's why the Internet is essential and websites and, mm-hmm. and you know, all the stuff you're alluding to. Right. So. Uh, but let's get back on. Where's the topic? Where were we well, on? Wither the, uh, wither the Alexander Technique. I, I have a question for you about our founder, mm-hmm. F. Matthias Alexander. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's called the Alexander Technique for a right. good reason. And, um, well, let me just allude to a study that came out a few weeks, uh, a few months ago. Uh, this is from the... Uh, uh, Journal of Sociology of Health and Illness in the UK. And uh, a researcher there, Jen Tarr, who I'm actually going to be interviewing in a couple of days, has quite a lengthy article about the, kind of, about the sociology of the Alexander Technique, teachers. Mm -hmm. And she spent a lot of time hanging out on a training course, interviewing people, and uh, sort of giving... um, you know, giving her impression of what 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 the structure of this thing was from a sociological point of view, and she makes a, a very interesting point. Uh, I, I'm probably going to have to oversimplify it a bit, but she writes about Alexander technique. Um, how how successful have we been at sort of connecting with? medicine with doctors and she says not very in general and that part of the problem is that we kind of cling to our founder in a way and he himself was kind of ambivalent about the medical profession on the one hand he wanted recognition for sure but he was also kind of wary of it and he and she says in her study that she sees that same thing with a lot of teachers today. And I wonder, do you have any thoughts on that and about the role of Alexander for good or for bad in terms of moving the work forward right now? That's in a relation, big question. Wait, wait. So you're talking about in relation to doctors? Doctors, and, but but I think the general. I think just in general, how we uh, come across to the public. You know, are we um, ju- are we uh, edu- somatic educators, or mm-hmm. do we have odd views about medicine? Do we, you know? Um, uh, well, you know, it's, are, are it's, we still, in some ways, perhaps unconsciously informed by Alexander's own stuff, some of which was not so great? Well, we probably are. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the habit patterns of the teacher filter into the students. Right. 
But the thing about it, from my perspective, is that the Alexander Technique is a learning method that has therapeutic side effects. Mm -hmm. If you learn how to use yourself well, then with less stress and strain, whatever interfering patterns in my whole central nervous system that are uh, caused by the stress and strain will tend to alleviate. You know, we are a self-repairing organism. You cut your finger, you know, it heals. Mm -hmm. If you take away the stress habits, then the body frees up, the breathing improves, circulation improves, digestion, and so on and so on. Balance and coordination, Mm -hmm. in Alexander's case, is voice. However, we are not a therapy. I'm really clear on that. Mm -hmm. And I I feel strongly that Alexander teachers make a mistake when they slip into the world of trying to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would agree with that. You see? Yeah. So... um, and there is quite there is some slippage in that area. There is, you know. But I mean, it's great that the British Medical Journal comes out with a study about bad back. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if a person really wants to help their back, they need to learn how to use themselves better in all their daily activities, so that the habit patterns that cause the back problem aren't there. You know, it's all the stuff that that people listening to this know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get newer teachers who aren't really quite making a living. They feel insecure. They, they're trying to figure out how to make it work. And then they try to, you know, in some way slip into being sort of quasi-therapists. Exactly. And, and, I, that, I, and there that are some a, pretty striking examples of that on the web as we speak. Where Well, that is a... And dangerous I think area it's a very to go dangerous into. Area. Now, what? What do you? But and somewhat related to that, mm-hmm. uh, there, there. Of course, there's been this whole controversy in England about uh, uh, registering the technique with. You know, I don't really know the details of it, mm-hmm. but a kind of a uh, signing on to a larger organization. I think it was complementary medicine. You probably know more about that than I do. Only a little bit. But I mean, it, it, it's a bit about are we going to let other people exert some control over teaching standards perhaps uh, in exchange for being recognized by them? I think that's kind of the issue. Well, I and think it's that is driven again, stat apart from what I can see. Right. Uh, I, I get it's a very f- dangerous thing again. I yeah. mean, it's like, you know, you know I, I pay for recognition, but I'm giving up some of my freedom. I know Walter Carrington was very, very opposed to right. that. Because, you know, of, of his thing, he was very uh, adamant that the technique was a learning model. Right. So I had conversations with him about this before he died. But, you know, the, the, the thing that comes back to it is that because people... If, ever, if all the Alexander teachers in the world had enough students who wanted to learn mm-hmm. about how to use themselves better, mm-hmm. they wouldn't care about the therapy model because people's backs would improve, uh, you know, circulation and so on, as I mentioned, uh, their voices, the actors' voices. Right, right. You know, the people, the teachers would be happy and, and the students would be in the right path. Mm-hmm. But because teachers aren't earning a living, because pe- teachers mm-hmm. are a little uh, scared of mm-hmm. of not um, generating enough income, they try to figure out how to augment it with, oh, I have to be recognized by this or that, or I can mm-hmm. say that I'm out there healing, right, you know, right, people of this right. or that. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's actually 
not correct. It's end-gaining, wouldn't you say, oh, Michael? I would say <laughs> it's a very and, dangerous uh, end-gaining. Very dangerous. And Walter Carrington said something. He said, "End-gaining works." Yep, that's but the problem. You pay with the piper. It. You pay the piper, and well. I think it does. I, I think it does link in with this whole question of effective. Um, we could call it self-promotion, but I would call it more effective. Letting, making it possible for people to know you exist and <laughs> what you do in, in using a language that makes sense to uh, someone who doesn't have any experience with the technique. That's another huge pet peeve of mine, the number of Alexander websites where the jargon is right there, right at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, People talking about primary control and oh, I mean, give me yeah. a break. That's that. That's really. Um, I guess it's elitist. It's also just a, a kind of an inability to put yourself in the place of someone that hasn't gone through a th- three-year training course. Well, this is right. I mean, the th- the thing about it is that. It's okay if you and I use jargon or I'm with a group of teachers because it's a certain language that we recognize. Mm -hmm. But when I'm out on the street working, finding people, you know, ordinary people coming for lessons, Mm -hmm. I have to tune into their way of thinking and to their words. Exactly. You see? I mean, what am I supposed to, am I supposed to drag up inhibition right away? Uh-huh. You know, I mean, people misunderstand it. They think of that as uh, repression in the in the psychological definition of inhibition. Mm-hmm. They don't understand mm-hmm. the the ability to cre- you know to stop and create a space between the stimulus and the response. Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of times, Alexander teachers either they're afraid to experiment with different languaging or ordinary languaging. Um, that's the one thing I loved about Marge Barstow. Marge Barstow, yeah. She would use the most simple. 25 cent language mm-hmm. you know and and be right there with you absolutely yeah. and and right in the moment about just subtle pressure you know this and that or the little freedom on you know of your head balancing on your spine i mean she would talk in ways that the ordinary person uh could hear and get now to back it up she had tremendous direction uh you see and i think that that is where a lot of the Alexander community falls down. They forget that the Alexander technique is psychophysical re-education. That is what it is called. When Alexander was alive, they didn't use the phrase Alexander technique. That only came about after he died. That's right. Yeah. It was it was called psychophysical re-education or the work. The work. Yeah. Yeah. You see, and yeah. so th- that was the key thing. And when you went back to any of the old guard. Uh, Patrick McDonald, uh, Dr. Wilford Barlow, Marjorie Barlow, Walter Carrington, Dillis Carrington, uh, Marge Barstow, Elizabeth Walker, they all talk about psychophysical re-education, about that learning. Mm-hmm. You see? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and if people then slip into, you know, a therapeutic thing, I mean, they have yeah. to be very careful. Yeah, Margaret Goldie would be another really good oh, sure. example of that. But it's so funny, too. I mean, Margaret Goldie, I was reflecting on this. You know, uh, uh, what was Skinner's first name? There's Margaret John, John, John Skinner and Margaret John Goldie. Skinner. You know, they had offices. Right, I've been, you know, I was there. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, when you and I, back in the 70s, they were tangential from the main focus in London. 
Mm-hmm. It was the Carrington, the Barlows, and McDonald. Right. And then you had Marge over here in America. Right. You know, and and Margaret Goldie and John Skinner were quite eccentric, and they sort of didn't want to play the stat game, and they went off good and fine. That was their own choice. But the day I hear people talk about Margaret Goldie or John Skinner as if they were a major force in the time, and they weren't. They no, were. No, they, they were. They were someone. You know, you would go maybe work with them, or you'd go out to Ealing and work with Peter Scott. Right. You know, a wonderful teacher. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the main, um, the flow at, mm-hmm. at the time. It's, right. In hindsight, people start to reframe history, which is interesting. <laughs> right, yeah. So, Michael, is there anything else, that, any other point you'd like to make about what's, what's up with the Alexander well, teaching the thing, world today? The thing that's, the, if I think of, and, you know, the Alexander te- technique came about turn of the last century you got to figure around 1894 alexander there was making his discoveries thereabouts right, right and at that time uh if you were interested in spirituality you would probably join the theosophical society absolutely yeah. because the theosophical society was hot uh-huh. it was something that was you know if you were a little trendy and in in, in the know and mm-hmm. interested in spiritual things that's the group you went to mm-hmm. Well, today the Theosophical Society is simply dusty. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their centers around the world, but it's not right. very vibrant. Right. Uh, it, it definitely is not uh, in, you know, in the center flow of anyone's thinking. Mm-hmm. You can go study it from an archaeological viewpoint, spiritually almost. Right. I hope the Alexander Technique doesn't fall into being a quaint Edwardian approach to movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I could see. I, I, I think that 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 uh, that probably is going to be the case for some teachers. I mean, I think there are teachers today who are kind of a, a little bit what you're talking about, but I don't see that, from what I can see anyway, as being what most teachers are doing. Maybe because that way of working, unless you've got some pretty good personal connections or some kind of personal charisma that keeps people coming to you that that approach just doesn't draw people you're going you're going to you're going to end up being a guru to one and a half students you know? <laughs> well you know and on a saturday morning i was teach a group of young actors here in LA at a, at a Sanford Meisner acting conservatory uh-huh uh, Sanford Meisner was one of the great acting teachers uh uh, no longer living, but was based in New York, and, and now there's a school in L.A. that is based on his work, and I've been teaching there for about 25 years. So on on a Saturday morning, I have two classes, and on average, I have between 12 and 15 students per class, and these are hip students. Mm-hmm. They're young actors on the front lines of wanting to be successful in Los Angeles. And if you walk into the room and you look at them, they're wearing absolutely the right clothes and they've got the right haircuts and they've got the right language you know all you know buckminster fuller the great uh uh, inventor said that California is where the future is happening today Mm -hmm. and in a way that's still true and when you look at the acting group on a Saturday morning this is the cutting edge right right so I I can't go in there with anything dusty 
I have to go in there and teach them in a way that's very relevant so that they are interested. Otherwise, they're just going to say, forget it, guy, and, and not be in the class. Mm-hmm. So it's my responsibility to take the core principles of the technique, which are absolutely valid. You know, observation, inhibition, direction, the whole person, faulty sensory feedback, on and on. And if I take those principles, but from a languaging, languaging viewpoint, mm-hmm. make them accessible to these students so that it's mm-hmm. relevant to their personal life, not only to their acting, but to the stresses and strains of the business of acting, which right. isn't very nice in L.A., right. then they absolutely see the point. Yeah. And and it's interesting because in fact, while eighteen uh, nineties version of the technique would seem dusty to us, in fact Alexander himself was very adaptable to changing situations. Even in the eighteen nineties, if you read articles and letters, he gets a call or I suppose a, a note from mm-hmm. headmaster of a theological seminary wanting him to teach uh, 19 or 20 students. And Alexander says, you know, I've never taught that many people, but I'll give it a go. And he does, and he's happy with the results. There's a little description of that in, in articles and letters. And then at some point in the 30s, uh, he gets invited to the Bedford College, I believe. Oh, yes. Is. Bedford, Great lecture. A, a teacher training uh, not an Alexander teacher, but like a regular teacher training institute. And he's up there giving a talk on the technique, and he's connecting directly with these students. And he's, uh, you read that talk, he's not veering into jargon at all. He's putting it right out there in language they can understand. So, uh, and I would say, uh, this is, now I'm projecting, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm channeling Alexander in a way, (laughs) which I love to do. But I think if Alexander were uh, alive today, he would would certainly have a website. He would be tweeting. He'd be on Facebook. He'd be writing, of course. He'd get people to do videos of him. He'd be doing audio interviews. He'd be doing all the stuff that those teachers today who are on, on what I would say are the right side of the digital divide are doing, um, he, I don't think he'd have any qualms about any of that. He would say, that's how I got to reach people, and that's how I'm going to do it. No, I, would, I agree with you completely. And, you know, if I think again about, uh, uh, you know, his senior teachers that he trained, I remember clearly that uh, Walter Carrington you know, was on the internet every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had a huge correspondence via email. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marjorie Barlow the same way. Um, I don't, maybe not as big as Walter, but she, mm-hmm. you know, was, right. was right. hooked in. Marjorie uh, Barstow died before it all exactly. happened. So, yeah. But, yeah. But, but, you know, Marjorie Barstow, <laughs> she loved new things. Oh, you know, absolutely. She, she been fascinated by the work that you're doing and and all the stuff on the internet and 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 this and that she her approach in general was like if someone were to invite her to do a workshop somewhere she had never been and it sounded (laughs) at all reasonable she'd say i'm going to give it a gambling chance you know exactly right. i mean and that's in fact it was that (laughs) answer to that kind of request that um made her famous in her 70s because she 
Someone asked her to teach at, uh, I don't know, some university, Southern Methodist, maybe? Yeah, down in Texas. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's really marks the beginning of her. uh, She was known by a a few people before that. She was well regarded, but that's what made her, you know, set up these large groups in, in Lincoln every summer and her workshop schedule and so on. Well, maybe sometime we could talk about that. It would not now, but mm-hmm. I would like to because I traveled with her off and on for a decade with the congresses and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And when she used to do workshops, I, you know, I was the guy I'd go meet her at her hotel and have breakfast with her, and right. and just to see how innovative she was in her teaching. But at the same time, I remember so clearly picking her up in her hotel room and there was a copy of CCC next to her bed that was underlined with little notes. Yep. This was her nightly reading. Absolutely. She would always go back to the basic principles of the technique, but then she would try to figure out and learn how to express mm-hmm. this these principles in a new learning situation. Exactly. And, and was, at the end of a workshop, she'd often critique it. Oh, yeah. She'd say, and she'd you know, I think you. I did pretty well with this, but <laughs> I, I, I could see a, right. maybe I need to work. Yeah. Well, we, I think we should do another talk just on, on, on Marjorie sure. Barstow. So, Michael, th- uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it was, it was great. Michael, uh, you know, we go back a long time and I'm very forever, happy. Yeah. Right. So thanks thanks a lot for this and uh, we'll we'll have some more conversations later. I hope so. Thank you.